Hello and welcome to episode number 59 of the Wise Guys Podcast. We're at 59 already. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host Brandon Capizzello. Today, Justin could not make it with us, but he'll be back. He'll be back for our episode either on Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. And right now, BCAP, we have much to discuss in the NFL. Starting off with our NFL Week 14 Pick'em this week, then we're going to be predicting every divisional winner and wrapping things up with NFL teams in no man's land. That is one of the most exciting topics, because last week we discussed... Not at length, but we did mention some teams with great futures that could break out next season. But talking about Thursday night, Bren, we've got today. Brock Purr is questionable versus the Seahawks. How are you feeling this Thursday morning? I'm feeling good. Rocking ready to go. Just went to the vet to drop off a little poo-poo sample for my cat. Feeling good. So, I'm feeling all right. I um, woke up late this morning. Mm-hmm. And with that being said... The thing that does excite me is Brock Purdy on a short week potentially playing. So tonight, tonight's game, get the 49ers going up against the Seattle Seahawks. And I said going to this game that the Seahawks would not win, and this would extend their losing streak. Now, they're at Lumen Field. For you, Brock Purdy's got this oblique slash rubber injury, which he suffered early in their game last week versus the Buccaneers. Rest off for Thursday night, obviously. Can they win without Brock Purdy at quarterback? Their backup is Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson, that is. I'm trying to pull up my goddamn pickums because they just logged me out for some reason. But yeah, um, I think I picked the. If I'm not mistaken, I picked it a couple days ago. I picked the Seattle Seahawks. Um, yeah, Brock Purdy's um injury is not you know what you would like to see happen right now. Uh. Josh Johnson, he's a veteran. He's been around. He's bounced around a lot in this uh, league. But yeah, that that that's not good. Um, I'm gonna take the Seattle Seahawks tonight. Um, divisional game in Seattle. I don't know what the weather forecast is. Uh, I would really love to know what Kyle Shanahan versus Pete Carroll's head-to-head record is. I I wasn't able to. Uh, I didn't have the time to Google that, but. Yeah, I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks tonight, but easily I could easily see the 49ers pulling off a win. They do have the much better team. Another thing, uh, I think Kenneth Walker is going to be back tonight. That's big time. He missed last week with an ankle sprain. I'm looking up right now in Stat Moose, my man. Cal Shanahan record versus Pete Carroll. Can you take a guess for me while I stall? Um, How many years they've been? About like seven years. Oh, God. I probably would say the... 49ers have the edge. Uh, I don't know. I can't give you a number because I don't know how many total games they've played against each other. So Shanahan was hired in 2017. They've played each other once this year. Uh-huh. And 2017 to 2022, that's six years, six and a half worth of games because this is their second matchup this season. So six times two is 12. Um, yeah, I'd probably say the... Shanahan probably has the lead. Uh, maybe like eight to four. Eight and four. This is wow. going to surprise you, my man. Since 2017, the San Francisco 49ers are three and eight against the Seahawks. The 49ers are three and eight. Think about that for a second. This is what I was saying the other week when I was talking about the top three teams in the AFC and how weird football is. Against the Rams, Kyle Shanahan is 9-3. Uh-huh. Against the Seahawks, he's 3-8. and eight. That's a weird little tidbit on that division, how one uh-huh. team can best the other. It's kind of like the NBA in the 1980s, where 
the Milwaukee Bucks, they have no problem being, I think it was the Boston Celtics and Larry Bird, but they just couldn't beat the Philadelphia 76ers. And that quartet of teams, one could beat the other, one didn't. A lot of it's matchups. Now, talking about injuries coming into this game, we're going to start with the San Francisco 49ers while I pick it up on ESPN.com, if it can come up for me. I'm patiently stalling out at this point. And just uh, to mention, just since Justin's not here, he did send uh, his pickums. He is picking, obviously, the San Francisco 49ers to win this game. By one. Exactly. No, we'll start off with the Seahawks. So you're saying Kenneth Walker seems like he'll be returning. And mm-hmm. they need him big time because oh, the running game has not been the same without him. Mm-hmm. And as for some other injuries, Al Woods, their defensive tackle, is doubtful for this game. Or he was doubtful last week. He's questionable with a heel injury. That's notable. And Ryan Neal, their safety as well, has a knee injury. So he's questionable for this game as well. Talking about the 49ers fronts, here we go. Brock Purdy, of course, questionable. Samuel Womack, their corner, their slot is out. Debo Samuel is also out with that knee and ankle injury. Javon Quinlaw has been injured reserve. No Jimmy G, of course. Elijah Mitchell's injured. They've had so many injuries this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I got the Niners taking this game. I think Kyle Shanahan's going to move that to four wins. And really for the San Francisco, not the San Francisco 49ers, for the Seahawks, they have not been the same offensively. And those defensive strides we saw them take in the middle of the season. After that Tampa Bay game, I just haven't seen enough of that development. They're a younger team. They've hit some roadblocks. And I feel like for them... Like Kyle Shanahan, he's going to run the football well no matter who's back there. And I can see Christian McCaffrey today building off last week's performance. Brandon Ayuk, a little bit more targets for him. They're going to spread that ball around a lot. Last week, I think Ayuk was their leading receiver of two catches. They're going to move that thing around. We're going to see a little more Juwan Jennings. Juwan, Juwan Jennings. Some Kyle Kuszczak in the red zone. I think this will be a closer game. Low scoring. I'll go 49ers 24-17. Yeah. I don't have a score for you, but it's gonna. Be, I think it's gonna be a close game. I hate picking scores because it's so freaking hard, dude. There's so many ways that the game. <laughs> for any sport, I hate picking the scores for the games, like especially basketball. I don't know how you're just you're guessing at that point. <laughs> no, basketball is pointless guessing the score. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next game up, the Indiana, Indiana, mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts are going up to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The Vikings are a team I have called a fraud very regularly. And we've had commenters say, guys, they're 10-3. They're the number two seed in the NFC. I don't care. Number one, they're in the second easiest division in football. Number two, they have a negative point differential. When you're 10-3, that is ridiculous. Think about that. They have more points against them than they have points scored. Uh-huh. They are way too reliant on my man, Justin Jefferson. And you look at that cold secondary, what do they have? Stephon Gilmore. That Colts team, look, they haven't been winning a whole lot of games with Matt Saturday. They've been competitive. I'm going to kick it to you, Brent. Is -hmm. this the week for a second one in a row? The Vikings disappoint us. No. I think that Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota is going to get the win here. Uh, I think that they bounced back from their last week's uh, uh, loss. Uh, Indianapolis is is kind of falling back to the pack a little bit since uh, Jeff Saturday's emergence. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna take the Minnesota Vikings. I think they get back on track. Jetta had a, an incredible game last week. Uh, I think it was 11 catches for 223, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so yeah, uh, expect to see a lot of Stephon Gilmore on Justin Jefferson to, uh on Sunday. 
but I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings. Hopefully, Dalvin, they can get Dalvin Cook going more. Uh, the run game has not been um, blowing people away. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings. And as for Justin, he is agreeing as well. He is taking the Minnesota Vikings to win this game. It's a shame. Talking about injuries, Daniel Hunter is questionable for this game. Same with Harrison Phillips, the defensive tackle, and Garrett Bradbury, their starting center. It's, it's quite clear to me. Dalvin Cook this year has not been the same player. And we see this often with running backs. Once they get to year five or six, they start to regress. That's something we see in this year is Zeke. Dalvin Cook's only from a draft class after him. So for that Minnesota look, Kirk Cousins has had a very good season. You said he wasn't, or you said he was at least not playing so lovely he was a year ago. I think at large, that's because the Vikings don't have a reliable number two. Because while Dalvin Cook this year has taken a step back, so is Adam, Th- Adam Thielen. And then KJ Osborne has not taken a step forward. He was a, a day three pick in 2020. And TJ Hawkinson had a couple of drops last week as well. This Minnesota team, I've seen it with my Steelers in 2020. They're a good regular season team that's going to win close games, especially in their division. They'll handle business for the most part. But if the season were to restart today, right, and all three of those teams are reset to 0 0, I think they would finish third. Only ahead of the Bears. I think the Packers at this point are a better team. We saw last week with these Lions. They're the most dangerous playoff team out of that NFC North. Yeah, uh, I mean, they would have to, a lot of things have to go right for the uh, Lions to sneak in. But yeah, they can be dangerous. They're getting healthy at the right time. They're starting to fire on all cylinders. Are you sure about that? With the way the Giants have played and the Seahawks' recent struggles, I think the Lions, we'll pull off the playoff picture in a little bit, I think it's not as hard as people think. For the Colts in this game, Kenny Moore is questionable with an ankle injury. He was a non-participant in Tuesday's practice. We'll see what he does to, uh, what he did yesterday. I'm not sure. Of course, mm-hmm. Shaq Barrett on injury reserve. Been on that for over a month now. And um, I really don't care. I think this is going to be a great game. Justin Jefferson, 220 last week. Where Stephon Gilmore may be the most underrated player in the league. Because he's not in New England anymore. So no one oh. looks at him as that premier corner. But he's still that. He's still yeah. one of the best in the game. And I think for that Colts secondary, that's their biggest strength. They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of, number one, that defense won the better units in the league. I think it's only a matter of time before they actually make that statement win. They're close to it against those Eagles. This is going to be the week for me. Yeah. Next. Uh, speaking, speaking on Stefan Gilmore for a second, though, love to see him uh, come back to New England. Uh, I think, I mean, I think he's on a one year deal. I think we can get him for cheap. But listen, man, New England could be having a couple reunions next year. You know? What are the other ones? Uh, you know, Tom Brady. I uh, Bill O'Brien. I know you don't want it to happen, but, you know, you know it's... If Tom Brady goes to New England, they're still mm-hmm. the third or fourth best team in the AFC East. Yeah, you think that, but they won't be. Bryn, Tom Brady's in the worst division in football this year, and he's mm-hmm. about to lose that playoff divisional lead to Steve Wilkes, Sam Darnold, and the Carolina Panthers. You think if he goes to the same division as Josh Allen and that Bills defense with Sean McDermott, the Miami Dolphins, who this year have had a very good season, and it's only year one with this head coach and quarterback, and then the Jets, who have a top five defense, and they make it a better quarterback next year. No, they may be the worst team in the East if they get down Brady. Nobody, no, no, no. Because the deficiencies are what they are. We're still a very good team. I mean... We just have deficiencies, and those can be fixed pretty easily. I mean, obviously, getting Matt Patricia out of the offensive coordinator and offensive line uh, coach um, 
position, bringing Tom Brady back, getting Bill O'Brien in, shoring up that defense a little bit, get him a number one. I mean, I just tweeted uh, Justin because I saw a little clip of um uh, from Monday Night Football, uh, DeAndre Hopkins coming up to Bill Belichick, and uh, the first words out of uh, DeAndre Hopkins' mouth to Bill Belichick were, I love you, man. And uh, I'm just saying, could happen. Why would you not want to go play for the GOAT head coach and possibly uh, the returning GOAT to uh, New England? Why would you not want to go play for that? I think you're pushing would it. Be, that, that would piss you off. I know 100% that would piss you off. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, it would. If I'm DeAndre Hopkins and I can build a, a wish list of teams I can go to, yeah. I hate to break it to you, buddy, but New England is is not number one. Okay. Well, I mean, neither of us are in DeAndre Hopkins' head. Uh, I just laid it out for you. I think co- going to play for the GOAT head coach, the GOAT coming back, why would you not want to play for Tom Brady? Why would you not want to play in that type of system? Winning football. I'm sorry, man. But no, if I'm, I'm Hopkins, sorry. I'm easily looking to go to one of KC, Dallas, or Los Angeles. Play with Justin Herbert. They get a new head coach in there. All of a sudden, that Chargers team is ready to win now. I don't Like, think actually he... win a playoff I don't think either of those three teams can afford DeAndre Hopkins. No, the Chiefs, they've already saved a lot of their assets to move off of Tyreek. But, I mean, if they're negotiating with Bill O'Brien, maybe they can get him for, like, a a fourth or fifth round pick. They're not negotiating with Bill O'Brien, so. Could happen, John. That's the thing. I don't think Hopkins would want to play with Bill O'Brien, bud. I don't think he'd want to be anywhere near him. No, he would be wanting to be playing with Tom Brady. No, but Brady's not he's not going to New England. I'm telling I you. Know I'm that. Why would he go back to New England? Do you think he's do you think he's gonna retire? What what are the odds for you percentage wise of retiring after the season? I think Brady is most likely to stay in Tampa. Uh-huh. You think he's gonna stay there with how bad they've been this year. With how bad a division that is, yeah. But still they have not been good. They've been injury ravaged. Even if you come back next year, Mike Evans is going to be a year older. Chris Godwin, a year older. You know, Todd Bowles is still going to be there probably. Shaq Barrett's coming off a torn Achilles. It, it, it's, it's not – I understand Tom's affinity for the um, uh, Glazier family, right, that owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has a lot of respect for them. But I think Tom is always going to look at, can this team provide me – what I need to get it to the promised land. And I think that he's going to look at it and say, you know, why, why wouldn't you want to come back to new England? As I'm saying, I mean, top five cap space, we're going to have a, a good first round pick and you get to write a Hollywood story ending. It's that you can't get better than that. You really can't. I'm not sure if he wants to work with Bill Belichick again. I never bought into all those rumors. I'm going to be honest with you. I never bought into any of those rumors that there was that uh, conflict between them. I just think Bill looks at it as a business, and I think he simply said, I can't keep um, testing, you know, the waters, you know, playing with fate, I guess, going up against father time. Uh, So I'm going to move on. But I think the way that Brady has played the last three years, 
and how Bill Belichick's quarterback situation has been the last three years, I think you would be he would be foolish not to look at it and say, I made the wrong decision. I think it would be foolish to just assume that for the reason Brady to leave New England was to go to a team in Tampa that had two stud receivers. Mm-hmm. New England had zero. Yeah. So he probably left because Belichick, the GM and the head coach, wasn't mm-hmm. willing to build around him, which at his age, he was hoping he could have players that can elevate him and make those explosive mm-hmm. plays. Mm-hmm. If they're not there in New England and he's already saying, look, you failed to build, me, build around me once. What's going to change this time? Let me go to a team like San Francisco. They don't want him, John, though. They've just, the Shanahan said no to Brady twice. Twice. I thought that was uh, John Gruden saying he wanted to stick a car. No, that, well, that too. But also, it, Shanahan said no. He want, Brady has basically like admitted it in uh, less words that San Francisco was the place he wanted. He wanted the first time he was a free agent. He, he had meetings with the Shanahan's and they said no because they don't want a quarterback coming in there with their own mindset and game plan. They want a quote-unquote puppet. That's what they want. They don't want Brady coming in there and messing with the 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 secret sauce, right? They said no to him twice. Then the this last se- uh, off season when Brady retired, he had meetings. He had meetings with the Shanahan's, and they said no again. I don't blame him. Whatever that well, sauce is, that's a special recipe they got going on. Yeah, but I mean, if you've got that recipe too, and you've got Brady's genius level intellect, and still playing at a high level especially if you surround them with that type of freaking talent. I'm sorry, but they, they seem idiotic not to want Tom Brady, especially he's not going to affect the cap at all. He's going to sign a cap-friendly contract. I think that was idiotic of them. I think Brady's never going to come out and say that uh, who that famous quote was about, where he said, you're going to stick with that MFR, I believe uh, was the quote. He's never going to come out and say it, but I think we can all assume and know who it was. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought who it was Derek Carr. I I I think it was Jimmy Garoppolo. So for me, San Francisco said no to him twice. If he tried it again, they're gonna say no again. Um, so I, I again, I don't know wh- where else he would he would want to go. I think New England is just a perfectly set up place to end this Hollywood story. It's nice for a man to dream, Brian. It is. That, I, I admit it. It is It is a little bit wishful thinking, but anything is possible. I don't think anybody uh, four or five years ago was would have predicted Tom Brady would have left New England. I think everybody thought he was going to be a lifer, and then look what happened. So He left. He left, and now he could come back. Next game up, we have the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Cleveland, a Browns team that has lost almost. They, they, they handled the business against the Texans, but they're one and one with Deshaun Watson and the injury report for the Browns coming to this game. David Bell questionable, the rookie receiver. Amari Cooper questionable. He's resting. He's older. John Johnson, he's questionable. David Njoku as well. JOK, Jeremiah Rokusamoa. Owusu Koromoa is on injured reserve with a foot injury. Miles Garrett's questionable. Whole play, he's, he's him. Denzel Ward, he's also questionable. Who do you have winning this game? I have Cle- oh no. Okay, I had I had Baltimore here, but I think I'm gonna switch that up. I think I'm going to go I'm gonna switch it right now. I'm gonna go Cleveland. It's in Cleveland. Um and while Deshaun is not playing better, I think 
you can look at the first game against Houston. You can look at the second game. I think he made good strides. Um, he's still not going to be what he was when uh, we last saw him two years ago, but that's fine. Uh, I think Nick Chubb can carry that team to a victory. Uh, he's been quiet uh, lately. But I think that with Tyler Huntley under center for Baltimore, I just think that the Cleveland Browns can get this uh, get this W. As for Justin, though, we know where he's going. He's sticking with the Baltimore, winning that division. He's going with Baltimore. I love Justin, but, I mean, this Raven team beat 10 different players on injured reserve. Tyler Huntley is questionable at this game with a concussion sustained against the Steelers. Lamar Jackson is at the practice with that PCL injury. If Anthony Brown is out there, I'm sorry, I cannot go with the Ravens. And even last week when they did win, J.K. Dobbins did not look right breaking out a 40-yard run. This Raven team has been beat for two years now. Look, the Browns are taking this game. Next one up, Miami at Buffalo. The Bills at the start given, of course, are point spreads to these games. My apologies for not the Bills at home. Dolphins coming off of two embarrassing losses. This is the last of Tua Tungavailoa's big boy tests. How well, good is he really? At least in the regular season. The I biggest think of one which. more. I think there's one more in the regular season. I think that New England game is is going to be a test because of where it is in New England. It's going to be cold, uh, and their defense is still pretty good. And even though Tua won that game and he's undefeated against Belichick, uh, he, he didn't play particularly well uh, in the first game of the season. The uh, Bills? Yeah, go ahead. The Bills are seven-point favorites. Seven-point favorites, and I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. Uh, yeah, I think it's projected to be a very cold and snowy day, snowy night, actually, because uh, it's at 8.15. Saturday. Saturday. Boy, we're getting Saturday games. A little weird, but okay. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take Buffalo. I predicted Miami was going to lose three straight, starting with San Francisco. They've lost two straight. I think that it, this is where uh, it continues. And I think my prediction when I said a couple week ago, weeks ago that the Miami Dolphins were going to finish 4-4 four and four and finish 10-7 and seven to end the season and not make the playoffs, and both the, you and Justin looked at me like I, was, like I had two heads, I don't think it seems that crazy now, does it? Well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, you're right. So I've got the Bills winning this game. I'm sorry. Tua was able to get them with that W in week three, but I mean, this Miami offense hasn't looked right. And like you said, how good are you when things aren't going well? How do you respond? For Tua, we've seen his ability to return, his ability to come back when things weren't going well, right? I mean, some people are looking at him as a bus gunner this year, and he's responded by having an MVP, MVP caliber type year and mere production. So I'm not going to down on Tua. But given this Miami offense right now is badly beaten and we haven't seen him respond and rise up to the occasion, I think the Bills win this game. It'll probably be a little bit higher score than I think. I think Buffalo can drop 30 on this Miami defense. They're very susceptible in the secondary. And honestly, this this could be a game where the Bills cover the minus seven. Yeah. Next game up. So, so you're expecting so you're expecting high scoring in terms of the Bills' favor that they're going to score high points. My prediction for this game. The Bills game 31-35, Miami mm -hmm. 21-24. Yeah, I think that's a little high too just because of the conditions, and we know that Miami's run game has been very inconsistent this year. Uh, yeah, I, I could I could see uh, Buffalo um, uh, covering and scoring some points. Uh, and as for Justin, he's obviously taking the Buffalo Bills. 
Next game up. Next game up. Philadelphia at Chicago. The Bears officially eliminated from the postseason at 3-10. They're nine-point underdogs in this matchup. At home, the Eagles this year have feasted on matchups where, hey, look, they're the better team every single week. And even if it gets close, like we saw against the Commanders, and of course, or their loss against the Commanders and the Colts, they're going to find ways to win. For me, it's pretty easy. Man, this Bears defense is abysmal. Maybe the worst in football right now. For this Eagles team, they're going to drop 30-plus points. And um, I think this is a game where they probably cover the minus nine. Is uh, Justin Fields back yet? Or no. Yeah, they had the bye week last week. So let me check. I'll come back to it then in 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, as for Justin, he's taking Philadelphia. And for me, I'm taking Philadelphia as well. Uh, I agree with your sentiments. I think that this is going to be a, a game where they're a little outmatched. Uh, Chicago. Uh, I think uh, Philadelphia is going to be able to get the uh, W. So Justin Fields was questionable with illness, not the shoulder injury that uh, plagued him before the bye week. Also on the injury report is Chase Claypool, who missed Wednesday's practice with a knee injury, and Khalil Herbert, who's landed on injured reserve with a hip injury. I think for Chicago, you know, no Justin Fields in this game. You're rolling with Trevor Simeon. Yeah, that that could be a game where they they, they score seven or less points. Uh, hopefully Fields plays because he's probably one of the 10 most electric, probably one of the five most electric guys in football right now. Next game up, the Atlanta Falcons going to New Orleans. Typically when a 5-8 and eight and 4-9 team go head-to-head in week 15 of the NFL season, the game does not matter. <sighs> Brent, the AFC South is a one where it does. The Saints are a four-point favorite, one o'clock on Sunday on Fox. Man, this is probably the most boring potential playoff matchup between two teams trying to get in. I've got the Falcons taking this game. Atlanta this year has been one of the more bizarre teams in football, right? Because their draft decisions have not matched the style of play that they put out there week to week. And Marcus Mariota, he's on injury reserve with a knee injury. It felt like to me, from some of the outside reporting, that since being benched for the rookie quarterback out of Cincinnati, and my man, not my man, I don't want to say that, and Desmond Ritter, you know, this is a Falcon team where you have no idea what's going to happen under center. That being said, Mariota this year has been one of the worst starters in football. I don't know why it took them so long to bench him. I'm still going with the Falcons. Andy Dalton may be playing well. He has in some of these matchups, but this Falcon team can run the football. And um, even if there's no Kyle Pitts, I still see that continuing against this Saints defense. Interesting. Um, yeah, me and Justin are... are... I'm picking the same team. Uh, we're going New Orleans. Uh, I think it's in New Orleans. Both teams obviously have not been playing well. Uh, I, I just think New Orleans has a more. Ta- uh, uh, I'm I'm expe- you know I'm expecting Alvin Kamara to have a big day because he has not had a big day in a little bit. Uh, this has not really been a great season for him, so I expect him to have a big day. Uh, against the Atlanta Falcons in New Orleans. Got a question for you. Oh. Brandon, do you know the last time Alvin Kamara had a 100-yard rushing game? It's probably been a while because he's more of a dual threat, so probably last year. Week three of the season against the Seahawks. Mm. Really got the W. Now, his last game with 100 total yards... You had to go all the way back 
to their Week 8 matchup versus the Raiders. Their 24 nothing W, where he had 62 on the ground and 96 through the air. Uh-huh. Alvin Kamara's had a down season. And like I was talking about before, for running backs, when they get to year 5, year 6, you start to see that regression. Some of it with, with this the Saints team is the offensive line is not necessarily what it what it was. You lose Trevor Penning early in the season, and Ryan Ramschak is really the only true blue blood, that true, uh, I guess you could say blue chip, on the right tackle side. And yeah, Kamara this year, he's gone from, as a rookie, 6.1 yards in attempt. Insane efficiency when he had more of a limited role, too. These last two years, 3.8 yards in attempt. That's yikes for me. And with this Saints team, Marshawn Lattimore is questionable with a domino injury. That's pretty huge. If he does not play, I think he will because he's him. And then, where's the injury part? You tell me. Uh, ESPN.com. It does the thing where it's loading. Eric McCoy is an injury reserve. They're starting center. And Cameron Jordan as well is questionable with a foot injury. He's on the older side, so I think he'll play as well. I'm still rolling with my Falcons. I think this is a week where they ground the rock. They win the time of possession battle. And last but not least, it's going to be a low-scoring affair where they just control the game. They dictate the the tempo. And Desmond Ritter gets his first NFL win as a starter. Next game up, Lions at, at Jets. Home game for New York. Last week, we saw them against the Buffalo Bills. Keep it a close game. Eight points on the road. This Lion team is riding high right now with an offense that has been explosive all year long. But now a defense that's starting to slowly but surely round into form after firing their secondary coach, Fallen, that game against the Dolphins earlier in the season. Maybe this is a hot take, but I have Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, and the Motor City Boys rolling into New Jersey and getting the W. That's just me. What do you think coming into this Week 15 game? Oh, well, I picked it a couple of days ago. I picked the New York Jets uh, simply because they have a great defense and I think that they can cause problems for even though the Detroit Lions offense is playing at a high level, I think that they can cause a little havoc. Uh, I think the real battle is going to be what can the Jets offense do against the Detroit defense that even though they've been playing well the last couple weeks, um, they're still bottom five, I believe, in total. defense I like where your head is at picking Detroit god this is such a tough game the line for this is flat even yeah that's what I'm saying like the Jets offense is just putrid Uh, apparently Zach Wilson is going to be the backup oh god you know what I'm following suit with you John I am going to switch I'm going to pick the Detroit line don't switch sides no, I'm I'm coming. I'm coming over. Don't 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 push me away. I'm coming over. I'm picking the Detroit Lions to go into New Jersey and beat the New York Jets. As for Justin, he's lone wolfing it. He's picking the New York Jets. Of course he is. Now listen to this stat. The Jets defense this year ranks sixth in the league in points against. The Lions, they rank fifth in points for. So you get the fifth and sixth highest scoring defenses or the lowest scoring defense or the highest offense going head to head and then the other fronts the Lions this year 31st in points against that second to last in the NFL whereas the Jets and offense are a cold 22nd which I thought would be a little bit lower but that's uh-huh. bottom 10 in the league look I think it's pretty straightforward Jameson Williams making his return Jamal Williams this year has been getting the red zone non-stop 
that Detroit offensive line is right up there with the likes of a Philadelphia and the top three of the league. Penny Sewell last week, game seal and first down. I thought that was awesome. I don't know if you heard Dan Campbell on the Pat McAfee show and discussed what happened and the leading moments to that catch. You see it? No, I didn't catch that. Basically says the stadium was so loud he couldn't hear a damn thing in his speakers. And then Ben Johnson goes, hey, coach, you call for blah, 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 blah. And he couldn't hear a damn thing because the fans in the crowd is like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. And then he, he turns around. He sees Penny Sewell run out for a round. He's like, what the, what the fuck? And then <laughs> Penny Sewell catches it for the first time. He's like, okay. And Pat McAfee goes, well, I mean, the football gods are on your side, clearly. Mm-hmm. Ben Johnson this year has done a phenomenal job. And I think if memory serves, he was a maligned offensive coordinator coming into the season. Remember last year, that line's offense was nowhere near as explosive as it has been this year, but it's the breakout of Amon Ross St. Brown. He's been injured this year, had a concussion, he had the ankle injury, but when he's on the field, I mean, that is one of the very best slot receivers in the game. Mm-hmm. Now you pair up Jamison Williams, who got his first TD last week in a broken coverage versus the Vikings. And then you still got DJ Chark, who's been injured. He was on injury reserve. He's coming back. We've seen him make a Pro Bowl. That is one of the better receiving cores in the league. And a year ago, you could have made the case that was the worst. So it's been a full 180 for them. And talking about the injuries coming into this game, we'll start off with whatever team comes up first on ESPN.com. Come on, give me the lines with the Jets, baby. Okay, so Frank Ragnar, their center, is questionable at this game. Same thing with their offensive tackle, Taylor Decker. Uh, no injury designations or comments for the reason why. And to go along with those two things, it's, I guess, important to note that their safety, and C.J. Moore is also questionable as well, and Will Harris, two other safeties. Now, for the Jets, this is not very productive, I'll, I'll tell you that, B-Cap. <laughs> I'm using ESPN.com. Corey Davis is questionable with a concussion. John Franklin Myers, he's been very good for them this season at the end. He is also questionable to go along Dwayne Brown. And most importantly, Quinn Williams. You can make the case Quinn Williams is the best player in the Jets. And this year, he's been the best tackle in football. He is also questionable with a calf injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. And his status for Sunday's game is totally up in the air. But maybe the thing that matters most of all this is Mike White. Because we don't know if he's going to play either. Their head coach, Robert Salas, said with ribs, he was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice, but they're preparing as though he will start against the Lions. Look, Mike White last week fought so hard, he was ready to go to the hospital after the game. And his teammates are saying, we love you. And really, after seeing a quarterback in Zach Wilson who came off as a spoiled brat earlier in the season, Mike White, he got that starting job, and he has a stranglehold on that. He's like, I'm not letting this go. I'm probably going to never get this back if I let it go on this team at least, because he's done enough this year to get a second opportunity on some team around the league, at least as a stopgap backup. And so look, if he gets banged up in the first couple of series, we can see Zach Wilson soon up and coming in there, probably sneaking up the game. In all due respect, I don't, I'm very far out in the Zach Wilson train at this point. Uh, I don't think a bench for two and a half weeks. And change that mm-hmm. next game up. The Steelers going to Carolina. They're a three point underdog. And Kenny Pickett last week got a second concussion of the season on the first series against the Ravens. As a Steelers fan, I said it. I mean, it's really hard to watch this team. With no Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky threw three interceptions, two in the end zone, or in the red zone, one in the end zone. And it's like, at this point, look, look, Matt Canada, uh, he had some good weeks. Last week was not a good performance by him. Uh, If you thought Matt Patricia was bad, I want you to watch one of his route concepts where... It's basically a max protection, and you have two receivers running fly routes with nothing over the middle of the field, and there's literally 
no hot route, no check down. So when nothing's open, Mitch Trubisky can't even deliver to the running back. So that offensive coordinator, over-aggressive backup potentially, probably playing, given they rushed Kenny Pickett back in six days after that concussion versus the, the Buccaneers to go out there against the Dolphins, I think it was. And then the worst part about all that is the Steelers' defense. I mean, they got run all over last week against that Raven team. Patrick Ricard literally had himself a feast, just plowing through the middle. And this Panthers team, what do they like to do? Steve Wilkes coming in, like to run the football, Deontay Foreman. And defensively this year, J.C. Horn has been amazing. They've been one of the better defenses since firing, of course, Matt Rural. I think the Panthers win this game at home, and um, as a Steeler fan, I'm okay with that because I'm just focused on us getting a top-seven pick. All right. Well, Justin's in agreement with you. He's picking Carolina. However, Brandon's on the different path. I apparently have more faith in your Pittsburgh Steelers than you do. I think oh, – swing that terrible towel. Nah, no effort. Um, I'm going Pittsburgh. Uh, TJ Watt's going to be playing. Uh Listen, man, Sam Donald is not that guy, even though he's played well last couple weeks. I just, I really think Mike Tomlin, his coaching is going to push them over the edge here. So I'm going to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers to win. Probably a close game. And all I got to say is, where the hell was that Mitchell Trubisky when he was facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Why did he pick that game to play like he's God mode? It's weird, Brent, because... In both games, he was aggressive. In the Tampa game, he, he picked his spots better, where he wasn't throwing triple coverage, and he actually could read linebackers drop into a cover two look, which is one of the most basic defensive formations for a quarterback to read. Nashie Harrison at practice this week with a hip injury. Cameron Sutton as well is injured. The Steelers are at a point where they have a lot of free agents, and because they're not a playoff team, I'm afraid some of these players need to start playing for themselves to get more money in free agency, and they're not focused on coming back. Of course, pick you with the concussion, Pat Firemuth did not practice with a foot injury, and Chris Wormley landed on injured reserve with a torn ACL after their game versus the Ravens. That was a, a big game for him because he was initially on that team, traded to the Steelers back in 2020. Um, and Larry Onjobi also is questionable with Miles Jack. They've got a lot of injuries, this Pittsburgh team. Now, for these Carolina Panthers, I think we saw them last week. They get a W on the Seahawks, winners of two straight with Sam Darnold. I think the Seahawks, uh, sorry. I think the Panthers are winning the AFC. God, John, you're killing me. I think the Panthers are winning the NFC South. So this is now the this is now the third team that you have picked to win this division throughout the season. Started with the Saints, then it went to the Falcons, and now you're putting your faith in Sam freaking Donald. I'm not really putting my faith in Sam um, Donald. I'm putting my faith in a crappy schedule, an easy one for the Panthers, where Sam Darnold, man, I think he's been humbled, and he's just going to make some necessary throws. He's on a team that has a very good defense. They're going to control the game. The locker room has come together after firing Matt Royal and some of that interim energy that's carrying over. I don't think that's crazy to say. I think it's 100% crazy. Um, Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't see Carolina winning this division. The Tampa Bay is going to win this division. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't see that outcome happening. We'll find out on January first, New Year's Day, when the two face off in Tampa Bay. And guess what? Sam Darnold beats Tom Brady and uh, potentially puts his season 
to rest. How about that? Because think about this, Brandon. The Panthers have already beaten the Buccaneers one time, 21-3, and with P.J. Walker. So they're going to have the tiebreaker. They get that second one. And I feel like it's quite clear this Carolina team has a Formula 2 win. They do. Still got DJ Moore, one of the best receivers in the league. Run the football well. Quality defense. Quarterback play has been better, right? It can't be much worse than what it was to start the season. Next game up, the Cowboys at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are a four-point underdog at home. Cowboys 10-3, close one last week, whereas the Jaguars got themselves a comfy, uh, comfy W against their division rival in Titans. Who do you have winning this game? Well, Justin has the Jacksonville Jaguars. Me, on the other hand, uh, I'm picking, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, okay? Uh, I just think that they are the better team, even though the Jaguars have been playing well the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think Dallas is going to I, – I can see this game being close, uh, but I think Micah Parsons uh, shows himself um, uh, this game. I think the uh, Zeke and Tony Pollard have a big game. So I, I'm expecting the Dallas Cowboys to pull out a victory and um, get ready and coming in hot uh, to face the Philadelphia Eagles in the biggest game of the year potentially next week on Christmas Eve. That's a nice foreshadowing to our Week 16. Muted, John. So nice foreshadowing to our Week 16 matchups. For the mm -hmm. Cowboys, Jake Ferguson questionable. Same with Demarcus Lawrence and Terrence Steele. Offensive He's tackle out. landed on injured reserve with a knee injury. That's a pretty big loss for them. We talked about that on our Tuesday episode. Mm -hmm. To a degree. I mean, like I said, they still have Jason Peters, Tyler Smith there. Tyron Smith's going to be coming back. So they have people that they can plug into that position. I've thought about this one a good amount. Trevor Lawrence has shown us those spurts that were there in the beginning of the season. And this Jacksonville offense is incredibly volatile. I don't like doing this. I really don't. But you know what, Bren? You know what I'm going to do? I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars to get this W at home. This is a game where, for the Cowboys, you escaped last week, but you ain't escaping this week if you have a down game, Dak Prescott. I'm talking about you, my man. And you talked about Zeke, Tony Pollard, them doing their thing. I think this Jacksonville defense of Trayvon Walker getting going a little bit more in recent weeks. Dude, they're not a team you can overlook at 5-8. and eight. They're truly a, a, a team. They're making a playoff push because of... The fact that still up in the air at the Titans' losses last week. Talk about injuries. Brandon Sheriff questionable. Trevor Lawrence has a toe injury, so wasn't spied at practice on Wednesday. But I think he'll be fine. And Trayvon mm -hmm. Walker also with an ankle. Consider day-to-day ahead of their matchup. I think it may sound crazy to you, but to me, it's quite clear. This Cowboy team, they're due for a loss. They're due for one. And I think this is the week against Trevor Lawrence. Next game up. Kansas City versus Houston. The Chiefs are a 14-point favorite. I said last week that the Texans would probably cover versus the Cowboys, and they surely did cover. They almost won the game. So I'm not going to say this week that this is going to be an absolute blowout, but, but in a game where literally everything went in the Texans' way, they still lost. I mean, you had the, you had the interceptions. You're getting these big-time games out of Chris Moore or Mario Rodgers. 
and um, still, you don't get the W. One of the biggest talking points, I feel like, for that game, of course, was the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. But for the Texans, Damian Pierce suffers an ankle injury, has not practiced. He's doubtful. That is their offense right there. Uh, the other part of their offense, Brian Cooks, had a calf injury, and he was there at Thursday's practice, but he wasn't going through. He also doesn't. He appeared want to, be to be going through drills. He also doesn't want to. What? He also doesn't want to be there either. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. He got an extension this last off season for eighteen million. So he's getting paid respectfully, deservingly so. And Nico Collins, number two, is sidelined still with a foot injury, or he's just sidelined. If no Damian Pierce. And no Pierce in this matchup. I think the Chiefs could cover this game. Derek Stinley as well as a hamstring injury. You know, that's three of your best players right there. Um, yeah, that's that's a rough one. Steven Nelson, former Steeler. He has an ankle injury. Um, oh, no, sorry. Stinley has a hamstring. Nelson, an ankle. I think the Chiefs cover this matchup. They win by two scores. Yeah, I think that the Chiefs can cover this matchup as well. Um, I think with Damian Pierce or without, I still think the Kansas City Chiefs uh, win this game. Uh Justin agrees with us. He's picking Kansas City. It's a clean sweep. I mean, Kansas City is one of the best teams in football. Texans are one of the worst teams in football. It's pretty much what it is. Oh, really? Yeah. So for the Chiefs in this matchup, Kadarius Tony has a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. And McCole Harmon's an injured reserve. He has been for the last couple of weeks, last two weeks. Next game up, Cardinals at Broncos. You told me we were going on a Tuesday episode. Kyler Murray, man. What happened? Well, Kyler suffered a non-contact injury, and he has torn his ACL. Um, sucks for him. Uh, it's going to – for him especially because of how much he does rely on his athleticism and his legs. Uh, so he's going to have to attack that rehab harder than uh, most other players. Uh, it's going to be a tough one to come back from. Uh, so now they're going to be playing with Colt McCoy. But um, I, I forget who said it. Um, I forget who said it. Uh, oh, no, Bill Simmons said it uh, when he was on the Manning cast on Monday night. He said he actually thinks that the Cardinals play a better brand of football with Colt McCoy under center. Um, but even with that, I mean, oh, Colt McCoy. yeah, but uh, tell, tell me what the status of Russell Wilson is, though. Can you uh, tell me what that status is? Because that's really what I need to, uh, need yeah, to know. Yeah, so Russell Wilson, he suffered a... He was put in a concussion protocol in their loss against the Chiefs. Close loss. One of their most promising losses of the season. They've had many of them, uh, as I still have to find the Broncos injury report. Injury report. So, Russell Wilson coming to this game, questionable the concussion. He did not practice yesterday. Mm-mm. And it wasn't, was it confirmed that he had a concussion or he was just in concussion protocol? Now know. it is. Now it is? Okay. Um. Yeah, so going into that, I think we might be able to uh, be a good assumption to say he's probably not going to play. Um, so their backup is who? Who's their backup? It's um, gosh, who's their freaking backup? I don't, I don't remember that guy's name. I'm forgetting his name. It's it's a tough one to remember. Yeah, Brett Ripien. Brett Ripien. Okay. Yeah. Um. So two basically two backups are going to be going head to head in this game. Man, if Russell was playing, I would pick. I would have so much more faith in Denver just because of the defense, and at least you have Russell Wilson. But with the backup QB, it's it, it's a tough one. So I think I'm going to stick with the Arizona Cardinals to pull off a victory. It's going to be 
it's not a game that I, I mean only Denver Broncos and Arizona Cardinals fans are going to be really tuning into that game uh as for Justin he's sticking with the Denver Broncos to win that game at home in mile high Jeez, we talked before about the Ravens having 10 players on injured reserve the Broncos Bryn they have 15 players on IR 16 Billy Turner Randy Gregory, Jacob Martin, linebacker, Mike Boone, running back. He was placed on it this last week with an ankle injury. So that right there is four. Number five, KJ Hamler, third-year receiver at the hamstring. Number six, Chase Edmonds, who they got, remember, from the Dolphins midseason. Number seven, Jonas Griffith, linebacker. Number eight, Mitchell Fra Frabiani, long snapper. Number nine, Lloyd Cushenberry, that's a starting center. Number 10, Caden Stearns. At safety, number 11, Aaron Patrick, linebacker. Number 12, Garrett Bowles. That was a huge loss earlier in the season. 13, Ronald Darby. 14, Javante Williams. PCL and ACL. So he may miss a start next season. 15, Casey Tucker, offensive and, tackle. And uh, Tim Patrick, you didn't mention. But he was injured in the early season, but I'm pretty sure they put him on. Yeah, they don't even have him listed on here. Nope. That was before the year. And Kendall Hinton, he was technically their third string receiver. He is also not practicing with a hamstring injury. Brian McManus, he's questionable with the quadriceps injury. He's taken a step back this year. That Bronco team has not only been hampered by injury, I mean, their season, I think, was completely ruined by it. And while I was critical of them earlier in the season, just because I, I feel like it had to be, um, I'm going to roll with the Cardinals in this game. Col Colt McCoy, like you said, this year, he's become one of the best backups in football. And so with the receiving talents, I think that Cardinals offense is going to still get some points on the board. And in the wake of Kyler's injury, I think they come together and get a, a big-time W after losing to the Patriots on Monday night. Next game up, we've got the Tennessee Titans against the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Chargers. Los Angeles. The Chargers are a three-point favorite at home. CBS 425. Man, this is one of the most important games of the week. These are two teams that have shown the upside to play at a high level, but the reality of what they are is an average team. Justin said coming to this week that he could see the Chargers become a top five team in the league if they start to get healthy defensively with Durwin and Joey Bosa being back in the mix soon. Um, but <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Titans coming off an embarrassing loss last week versus the Jaguars. I think they respond. And while Derrick Henry usually does his best against division rivals, I think he gives these Los Angeles Chargers a nice punch in the face, running right down the gut. And Ryan Tannehill has himself a very nice day. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be a Derrick Henry game. Uh, he's had a, a couple of issues with the fumbles this year. Uh, but I think, I mean, that Los Angeles Chargers defense has just been injury ravaged. And like we've said, even when they were healthy, they were not playing at the level we all expected them to play at. Uh, I think Tennessee can get back on track this game. I know it's in LA, but still, I mean, I, I mean, I have faith in Justin Herbert, but that defense, man. If Tennessee can stick to their game plan, which is play good defense, sound defense, run the football, you know, make the smart – Ryan Tannehill make the smart plays, get that play-action game going, keep time of possession on their side, not play stupid and not get penalties, I think Tennessee can win this game, man. I, I think I, – I agree with you. I think Derrick Henry is going to have a big day. Uh, as for Justin, I mean, you know where he's going. He's going Los Angeles Chargers. So Derrick Henry this year, four fumbles in the season, only one lost. That's the second highest of his career. Now, you talk about this Chargers defense, B-Cap. They are 28th in opponents rushing yards per game at 147. Oh. 
That's a team that has had issues for a while now. Shout out Jeremy Tillery in terms of stopping the run. <laughs> I mean, Derrick Henry's had some struggles this year. I mean, he had two 30-yard rushing games in back-to-back weeks before this last game versus the Jaguars. Now, against the Jaguars this last week, he had how many yards in the first quarter? I think it was like 70 or 80. What did he finish with? Let me check right now. I think he finished with like 121. It was like, what, yeah, 130 or something like that. Yeah, only on 17 carries in their loss. Look, I, I know it may seem crazy because Justin Herbert is on the other side. And we're getting to a point with Herbert where he's a top five quarterback when that guy's on the opposing side. He's healthy. We're seeing him get healthier now. I mean, bait against him more often than not will be a full errant. And um, it is. But I just don't have enough faith in these Chargers weapons. Yeah. And, um, like you say, this is the ultimate team sport, and the Chargers don't have a better team, to be honest with you. Yeah, Joey Bosa is still an IR, and Duran James is questionable. If Even if James plays, what do the Titans do really well? They stop the run. If you can neutralize Austin Eckler, and you're missing both of your tackles, Trey Pipkins is questionable. I think we're at a point with these Chargers, man, where they may have these signature wins. But look, if you don't win more than they lose, you're going to miss the playoffs. And this is a crucial game for them. I'm just afraid they're not healthy enough at this point of the year. Because they're, uh, they're currently not in the playoffs. Uh, New England is in the playoffs right now. And what team is the tiebreaker between those two? New England owns the tiebreaker against the Jets and the Chargers. That's a rough one for Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Now, next game moving on to the Patriots versus mm-hmm. the Oakland Las Vegas Raiders. In Vegas, too. In Vegas. The Raiders in this matchup are a one-point favorite. They're five and eight. The Patriots are seven and six. I got oh, a good chuckle on this. The, the, that the Raiders are favorite. That's not disrespectful. Well, I got actually, a good it's not really because home teams are given three points. So if the, the Patriots are technically actually favored by about like two points because the home team is given three points automatically. Look, this is the premier matchup that we're all waiting for coming to the season. Bill Belichick versus Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Teacher student versus, versus student. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> you know, Josh Jacobs has had a great season. That being said, I think Bill Belichick is going to put Josh McDaniels on a silver platter and he is going to absolutely ruin their day on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. That offense, man, Belichick's going to have an answer for it. And I think that New England secondary... Marcus Jones gets his first interception of the season. I mixed up with the other three Jones out of the team. I thought he had the three at this point. He didn't. Yeah. I think that New England defense is going to put Derek Carr in a straitjacket. He's going to yeah. be seeing ghosts. He's going to be lost. Last week, 13 passing yards in the second half of that game. I mean, come on, Derek Carr. We're at a point where we have him up so much to be a top 10 quarterback. And how does he respond? He plays like a bottom 10 starter in the league this year. With all these weapons, I don't care if Hunter Henry and Darren Waller are banged up. You got Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. I don't want to hear the garbage. Man, I got the Patriots taking this game. And are they going to cover one point? Yes, because they're one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Justin, both of you were taking the New England Patriots. Uh, now, it's, it's going to be a little interesting because I believe Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro have been activated for this game. Um, or activated off IR, I should say. I don't know if they're confirmed to play in this game. Uh and the Patriots defense uh, came out of that game with a couple of injuries uh, against Arizona. Jack Jones, uh, the kid that you mixed up Marcus Jones with, he he left the game early. Um, Devontae Parker had a concussion, so he's probably not going to play in this game. 
Uh, Damian Harris, hopefully he's going to be back. He missed last week. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson went down. I, st- I haven't heard an update on him. Uh, he's questionable with an ankle injury. He wasn't spot yesterday in practice. Um, yeah, uh, Jacoby Myers missed last week's game, I think, with a concussion. Hopefully he's back. But I, I agree with you. I, I think that this is going to be – I think the interesting matchup uh, for me is the Patriots defense versus the Raiders offense because we're going to see – um bill belichick versus josh mcdaniels and what both guys do best uh so that's going to be the very interesting matchup i i I'm, I'm sticking with my patriots i have confidence uh i think bill belichick is, is still even though lately he's had some rough moments against former coaches slash players and mike Vrabel, but i think that he's he, he knows josh mcdaniels all too well uh it's like that old saying saying I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. Uh, and I think Belichick's going to have a couple uh, tricks up his sleeve for this game uh, Sunday afternoon, which was supposed to be Sunday night, but it's fine. I understand the flex. I mean, they put Washington in New York now, even though it should have been Tampa Bay versus Cincinnati. I mean, Brady versus Burrow. Come on. Uh, but yeah, I got New England. Uh, it, it's just, yeah. They already did that to my Steelers against the Bengals. Why not do it a second time to Cincinnati? Just as disrespect. Even as a Steelers fan, I can acknowledge. The Bengals are the most fun team, honestly, right now in the AFC. The most. Now, for the the Patriots, one thing I don't know if you noticed, Christian Barmore is on injured reserve. Uh That's a pretty crucial blow for them with a knee injury. Uh Man, Uh you can say all of that to me, and I don't care. I I do not care. Do I trust Derek Carr? No. Josh Jacobs questionable with a hand and quad injury. Hunter Renfro is designated to return, and so is Darren Waller. Uh But will they? We'll see. Uh We'll see how they look after missing the last month or so. And I just think, man, it comes down to Derek Carr versus Bill Belichick, and every single time I'm I'm not picking Carr. Next game up. Man, the Yahoo Sports app. Oh, no, it's the ESPN app. Excuse me, Yahoo. They're killing me. They keep refreshing. We got the Bengals at the Buccaneers. The Bengals are a three and a half point favorite. I think it should be more on the road. And given they're on a five game winning streak, beating many quality teams and looking as good as they have a Joe Burrow playing at a top two level up, he's been the best quarterback in the league post week four. Dude, I got the Bengals clearing this Buccaneers team. I don't know if it's going to be a close game. Because you look at the Bengals and all they've had to overcome, Brandon. Last week in warm-ups, T. Higgins aggravates his hamstring. He misses the game. Tyler Boyd didn't play. Joe Mixon comes back. He and Samaji Piran during their thing. No Hayenhurst. It doesn't matter. This Bengals team has continued to find ways to win at a high level and just churn out touchdowns and points no matter who's in the lineup. And I think it's his Buccaneers defense. Last week, he gave up 35 points, technically 28 because of that interception Brady threw. I think this week, we're going to see this Bengals team score 30 as well. And defensively for this Bengals team, they've had some tough injuries this year, right? Trey Hendrickson's questionable with a wrist injury. That's huge. I mean, he played through a broken wrist last week in the fourth quarter. That's insane to me. And Mike Hilton, he's the one reliable presence at cornerback in the slot. He was non-participant with a knee injury. I think he came back in that game against... Who they beat last week? Oh, God, I'm drawing a blank. The Browns, of course. Uh, Hilton came back in that game. And Hayden Hurst, he seems to be doubtful with the calf injury. All of that being said, 
Higgins limited in, in practice. If one or he or Boyd plays, that doesn't matter to me. I think the Bengals offense is going to do their thing. Yeah, I mean, I can't really, um, I can't sit here and really debate you on <clears throat> debate you on that. Um, now, it's going to play in the Bucks' favor, obviously, if T. Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd don't play. Uh, less things for them to worry about on offense. Uh, but the Buccaneers have been injury ravaged. Obviously, Shaq Barrett, uh, Vita Vea, I think they don't expect to be playing. Um, Antoine Winfield, Sean Murphy Bunting, Mike Edwards have missed the last two weeks or more. Tristan Wirfs not playing this game. It, it's a tough road. Um, Joe Tryon is questionable to hip injury. God damn it. I ain't betting against Tom Brady. Now, am I confident? Not very much. But I'm not betting against Tom Brady. And guess who isn't either? Justin Ray. We are going with Tampa Bay. That was a nice round. That, that was a cute thing he had going on right there. No no Tristan Wurst either in this game. He's doubtful with the uh-huh. uh, ankle injury. Uh, good luck. That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's going Jamar Chase in that front. Giants going to Washington, 8 o'clock on NBC. The Commanders are a four and a half point favorite. I said it. The Giants will lose four of the last five games, miss the playoffs at 8, 8, and 1. And this is the game where I think the Commanders, yet again, take care of a Giants offense that last week we saw. Saquon dealing with that neck injury. He's not up to speed. And when Saquon's on 100% in that gimmicky Giants offense, man, it's quite clear to me they're not a playoff team. And these Commanders are going to roll through them and get their eighth win of the season. I'm loving it. Every second of it in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I'm going to go with Washington. Um, I just think that the Giants are starting to get exposed, um, even though the Washington Commanders are not that good of a team either. Uh, I just think the Giants are starting to get exposed for what they really are. Um, so, yeah, I'm sticking with Washington. Um, I mean, bad finish to the game. The last time they played, 20-20. to 20. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. Uh, but as for Justin, he's lone wolfing it again. He's picking the New York football Giants. This is the same guy who took the Eagles last week to lose to the Giants. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. So, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson are both questionable. Limited participants. And Chase Young and Montez Sweat were both questionable as well. I don't really care. Um, the Giants offense has no meat on the bone at all. And you're still missing a lot of key players. Um Leonard Williams was out last week. Adoree Jackson's out with a knee injury. He has yet to practice. Man, good luck to Jay Rad. That's all I've got to say. Next game up, the last one of the slate, the Rams. Baker Mayfield, 11 days of rest, going to Green Bay on Monday night. Packers, seven-point favorite. They've been starting to figure things out on the offensive end. I think for the Packers, it's quite clear. They're a pretty good team at this stage of the season. Now is their year over. Basically, they've just about been eliminated from playoff contention. But I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers, man. I'm sorry. Baker had a good moment. But these Rams, they're a 3-1 team for a reason. Or a 4-1 team, whatever it is. I've got the Packers taking taking care of business on the home. Yeah, as much as I would love to pick the Los Angeles Rams, uh, it's just the team is just not what it, you know, was. Um I don't know Aaron Donald's status of this game, but Green Bay is uh, starting to – I mean, Christian Watson has 100% figured it out. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm going to stick with Green Bay. Justin's picking Green Bay as well. We're going 3-0 for Green Bay. Uh, yeah. But I'm still going to be rooting for my boy Baker on that field. Christian Watson threw his first six games in the pros. Zero touchdowns. Last four games, seven. Romeo Dabbs was injured. He was banged up. Randall Cobb was on IR. And of course, Alan Lazard this year has been unreliable as number one. If we could reset the clocks to week one of the NFL season, I said, if this Packers offense can just develop as the year goes on, look, they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to go on a playoff run. Unfortunately for them, it's a day late, a dollar short. And that's the reason why, I mean, it's quite clear to me, Brian Gutekunst, he's got to go. I mean, this was a pretty bad offseason, even if Quay Walker as well has played better as of late. And it's just unfortunate that the NFL didn't extend the season to 20 weeks. Otherwise, the Packers would have a chance to make the playoffs. Unfortunately, that's not how things work. And so that's a wrap, fellas, on the 2023. And it's time to see my guy enjoy a love. Until then, I'm not really too interested in what the Packers got in the store. And the Rams have four wins, not three. Four and nine football team. Now, I want to play a fun game, roundtable discussion between you and I. We're not going to go in depth, but I want to see kind of where you stand at week 15 of the NFL season. Who's going to win each and every single division? I'm going to give you a division. I'm going to list the top two teams, the teams in contention, and then you're going to kind of give me what team you have winning the division. Let's do it. Let's do it. First division up, the AFC East. Starting with the AFC, Bills 10-3, Dolphins 8-5, number two. And the Patriots and Jets, they're in fourth at seven and six. Who takes the East? Yeah, um, Buffalo. Uh, even though I do have Buffalo losing the last two games of the season, I have them finishing 12 and five. I have the Miami Dolphins finishing 10 and seven. Uh, the Jets are going to be anywhere from finishing one and four in the last uh, five or, you know, just somewhere in that range. I mean, they, there's a, there is a real possibility um, that they go winless. Uh as for um, the New England Patriots, I'm still going to stick with my pick. I think that they are going to win the game against Arizona, uh, not Arizona, um, Las Vegas uh, on Sunday. Uh, I think they're going to beat the Dolphins. I think they'll beat the Bills. So, And then I think they play Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken, uh, after this week. But that'll be a loss. So I, I do have Buffalo uh, still taking this division. I agree. They play the Patriots on Christmas Eve. Not bad. Not bad. Not as good as the Steelers, of course, playing the Raiders. I mean, that's the best game of the day. I had the Patriots not winning the division. I had the missing playoffs. I had the Bills taking it easily. Second division up. This is pretty easy. Much like the Bills, Chiefs 10-3. Next team up, the Chargers at 7-6. Two of the Chargers win out, Brandon, as the Chiefs lose out. No, uh, I have the Chiefs winning that division. Um yeah, like I said, they've got a pretty good cakewalk to end the season. Uh, Chargers, I just don't see it. Uh, yeah, I have the Kansas City Chiefs winning this division. Now, this is the most interesting one. AFC North. Jay Wright has the Ravens taking this one, which mm -hmm. is a hot take with no Lamar Jackson currently. And the Bengals coming in second place. Both teams are 9-4 between Baltimore on a two-game winning streak, right? They've won two now with Lamar Jackson being out. And the Bengals... They haven't lost at the start of November. What team do you have taking the ASU North BC? I'm sticking with my preseason pick, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they're firing on all cylinders at the right time. They're getting healthy at the – well, 
I mean, a couple injuries here, but for for the most part, they're getting healthy at the right time. They're getting that chemistry back. Uh, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, obviously, the one detract detractor in that statement is they have a much tougher road uh, to end the season than the Baltimore Ravens. I said that uh, two weeks ago, I think, or a week ago when we talked about it. I said if, the Ra- if they switch the end of the season, the Ravens and Bengals, there's no way you can tell me that the Ravens are going to win this division. The only way you're saying that is because of the schedule they have, because the Ravens don't have that hard of a schedule to end the season. But I'm going to pick my confidence because uh, uh, pressure uh, builds, uh, builds, uh, make what the hell is the problem? Builds or makes? Is it pressure build builds down? Pressure makes diamonds. Yeah, we got okay. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying though. So and they they've got the tough road, and I think that they're going to come out better for it. Uh, give me Cincinnati uh, taking that division. The Ravens end the season with the Browns this week, the Falcons next, the Steelers on January 1st, and then the Bengals in the last game of the season, which Justin said, that's the game where the Ravens take it all. Now, the Bengals, they've got the Bucks this week. I got them winning. The Patriots next week. I got them winning. The Bills after at home, and then they end off the season, like I said, against the Baltimore Ravens. Look, the Bengals are writing the same exact script that took them to the Super Bowl last year. And maybe this is a hot take, BC. Cincinnati is the best team in the AFC. Defensively, they're well coached. They've been able to overcome all of these injuries, the key players. Now, if DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, and Mike Hilton are all healthy with Jesse Bates and Von Bell at safety, I think it's quite clear they got good linebackers, they've got a good team up front. That Bengals defense can win them a playoff game. And then Joe Burrow right now is the best quarterback in the league. He's playing like it at least. It's not a shot at Mahomes, it's not a shot at Hurts, but we're seeing him. You know, Jamar Chase, no Jamar Chase or Jamar Chase win games now if tyler boyd and t higgins are both healthy with him it doesn't matter who's at running back i'm sorry there is nobody being the cincinnati team and that includes buffalo who they're going to play in two weeks so yeah for me i had the ravens actually getting the last seed and as always getting knocked down in the first round of the playoffs and the Bengals going to the super bowl so i think this is the year the Bengals also won the super bowl i think the nfc is not that good next division up the afc south brandon this is a division I talked about highly coming the season. I pumped up the Titans. I said the, the Colts would win 12 games. I know I actually had them win 11 games. And I had the Jaguars also being a friendly playoff team. You know, in the playoff hunt at least. And um, through 14 weeks, there's only one team with more than five wins. The Titans at 7-6. and six. They have lost three straight games. They're 3-3 three and three at home where they'll be building a new stadium. And in spite of having a positive record... They have a minus 35 point differential. They may have the formula to winning when Derrick Henry's run well and all that, but they lost last week with him going crazy. Um, the Titans, they got two games of a cushion on the Jaguars. Do they lose the stranglehold on the South? Jaguars are five and eight. Yeah, I think, I think just it's kind of just a tad far gone at this point um eight losses is, is a little too high for me i mean the the titans would have to I, I don't know the tiebreaker there but the titans would like to confirm the jaguars winning that division the titans would have to lose three games um and the jaguars would obviously have to win out jags the uh, tiebreaker by the way yeah so well that works in their favor so they only have to hope for two games but it's just for me it, it's just a tad far gone um yeah, I think the Tennessee Titans will be able to pull it off. You want to hear the Titans' season-ending schedule? Let's hear it. 
No pun intended. The Chargers on the road. The Texans on Christmas Eve at home. The Cowboys at home December 29th. And the Jaguars week 18 on January 8th. I think that they... I think at best, 3-1. and one, uh, The loss being to the Dallas Cowboys. At worst, 2-2. Two and two, Losing to the Jaguars at the end of the season and the Cowboys. I like that Cowboys matchup for them a lot. I do. I think they can stop the run and really get Dak Prescott to do what he usually does in big games. Now, talking about the Jaguars schedule... They've got the the Cowboys this upcoming week, so they both got the Cowboys. Uh-huh. Then they got the Jets on the road. They got the Texans as well, and they finish off with the Titans. Both of these teams have tough schedules. I've got the Titans win the division as well. Now, moving over to the NFC, Brand, this is a funny one because the Eagles are the first team in the NFL to win their division. That should not be a surprise. They had the easiest schedule, at least one of, coming to the season. And so far this year, it's actually been tougher than we thought coming in, but... The Eagles are the best-built roster in football, and Jalen Hurts has just taken so many steps forward as a passer. Now, the NFC West, 49ers 9-4, number two, the Seahawks at 7-6. The Niners have won six straight games. That is the longest winning streak in football currently. Do you think they somehow lose the stranglehold in that division? No, I think um, I think the San Francisco 49ers can pull it off. I just think that it's a little bit too far gone at this point. Um, similar with the uh, the other teams uh, that we just talked about. So, Niners end the season with the Commanders, Seahawks tonight, Raiders, and Cardinals. I think they beat the Cardinals Week 18, even with no Kyler, no Kyler. Raiders, they get that W. Commanders, I do think they win. I'm agreeing with Justin. I think these Niners do win out. They end the season. With 13 wins, 13-4, and four, number two seed in the NFC. Next division up, the NFC North. The Vikings, they have a four-game cushion over the Lions, but they still have not clinched it so far. Lions, two-game winning streak, Brandon. They've been a very competitive team as of late. They actually, listen to this, the Lions have a positive point differential while the Vikings have a negative one. Do you think if the Vikings lose every single game, the Lions can win this division? The Lions schedule on the season, let me help you out here so that you have a clear idea of what they're working against. Mm-hmm. This week, they got the Jets on the road. Then they got the Panthers, the Bears, and the Packers week 18. Can the Lions win all four of those games? Will they is the better question. I'm sorry, you said the Jets? What was the second team? Panthers. The Panthers, okay. Um... I think they can win out. Um, I think that they lose one of those matchups, though, uh, either to Chicago or Green Bay. And I think that knocks them out of the playoffs because they have to be perfect, like you said. And I think that they'll lose at least one of those games to end the season uh, against their division uh, foes. The Giants, or sorry, the Vikings in the season with the Colts, Giants, Packers, and Bears. They're going to win at least one or two of those games. Yeah. Namely... The Bears and the Giants. Those are two gimmies, I feel like. Now, last division, the NFC South. I told you about 20 minutes ago that the Panthers would surprise some people. Currently, the Buccaneers are the leader at 6-7. They're a 4-3 team at home, which is nice. They play at home this week against the Bengals. The Panthers are also 4-3 at home. The Panthers also are right behind a two-game winning streak with Sam Darnold. They have not lost with him so far this year. 
And ironically enough, Brennan, both of these teams have a negative 30-point differential, the same exact number. Now, these Buccaneers, the fact that they're 6-7 and seven at this point of the season, no one would have really expected coming in. But they are, and they end the season with the Bengals at home this week, the Cardinals on the road, the Panthers week 17, and then the Falcons week 18. Who will win the NFC South, Bryn? It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. I mean, I, I said I said basically from the beginning, it, even this game against Cincinnati, I told you there's not much confidence, but I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. But I 100% with full confidence believe they're winning the last three games of their season. I, I just fully believe that. And I think that is going to get them over the hump. So I think that they, regardless of the outcome of this game against Cincinnati, they will finish with a positive record. Now, either that's going to be 10 and 7 if they win this game, or it's going to be 9 and 8 if they lose this game. But I just fully believe that they're going to win this division with a positive record. And I don't see any of the other three teams being able to get to that level. Yeah, I just don't know, Bryn. Losing to four different backup quarterbacks with a defense that has really struggled this season and an offense that can't make the timely plays. I feel like with this Buccaneers team, they're going to lose against the Bengals. They're going to lose against the Cardinals. They're going to lose against the Panthers. And that's going to put them, dare I say, at a record of 6-10. and 10. They'll win Week 18 against the Falcons. They'll end the season 7-10. and 10. But the Carolina Panthers, Brandon, they're going to win 3 or 4 of these next games. They're going to beat the Buccaneers Week 17. They're going to beat... The Saints week 18 to clinch the division, and they're going to beat the Steelers this upcoming week. That's going to put the Panthers, BC, at 8-9. and nine. And what do you know it? Maybe in Tom Brady, the greatest player of all times last season, he's going to lose the division to Sam Darnold, Steve Wilkes, and the Carolina Panthers. I'm not even saying this as a joke, because this Carolina defense has played very well. And that's an area where they've invested a lot of draft capital into it. So for me, you can call me crazy, but this division's a joke. And I think the Panthers take advantage. No, I, I don't see that at all. I'm sorry. Did you see them being six and seven coming to the season? No, but again, even with that, I'm not putting my faith in Sam Donald and uh, Steve Wilkes over Tom Brady. That, that's just not happening. Well, they have a better record this year than Tom Brady. Okay, yeah, they have a much smaller sample size though as well. Well, typically, the larger sample size will favor the better player, right? And if Brady has a larger sample size... Well, like you said, it's the ultimate team sport, so... And if the Buccaneers are clearly the safe bet to win this division, they would probably have a better result, better record at this point, I feel like. Well, they're going to win the division. I Like I said, they're winning the last three straight games. I, there's no way they're losing. And Tom Brady is not, and the Buccaneers are not going to lose two games to the Carolina Panthers this year. They won't lose to the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, Cliffs Kingberry is a joke. And and that defense is a joke too. And they're not going to lose to the Falcons. I just do not see that happening. Well, did I see Sam Darnold having zero turnovers through two games against the Broncos defense and the Seahawks? No, not really, but he has zero turnovers. There's two starts. That's fine. Still not going to get it done when it counts most. Okay. Bearded Sam Darnold will disappoint you come week 18. Now, he'll disappoint you. No, he won't disappoint. disappoint. He's got a little expectations. Freudian slip there. A little Freudian slip. NFL teams in no man's lands. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's a lot of different ways you can go here. There's a couple of different options. I think the clear answer is New Orleans Saints. They trade up in the draft to get Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. And after Drew Brees retired and Sean Payton stepped down, they said, we're going to make a playoff push. And through 14 weeks, they have four wins. They have no quarterback. The biggest question with them and Jameis Winston, well, that question didn't go so well. And the head coach and Dennis Allen, it's not been very good. Their two best players, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, have one, been injured, and two, taken big steps back. And that top five defense, I talked up like I was a Saints fan coming into the season. Well, they've been good. Not great. And the NFL, the three most important things. Number one, having a quality, savvy front office. Number two, having a head coach that can lead. Number three, a quarterback. The Saints have no answer at QB. They're going to have a top five draft pick this year, more likely than not. And guess what? That pick's going to Philadelphia. Their head coach in Dennis Allen is not a head coach. And their general manager, he's done a great job. He's done a really good job in recent seasons. One of the best ones in the NFL. I mean, I felt like, and maybe I'm just kind of saying up the Saints fans to be upset at me. Mickey Loomis was like a top three or four GM in the NFL. His ability to maneuver the cap and consistently build high-level teams. Well, I mean, you've gutted a good amount of your flexibility long-term into really nothing. The Chris Olave pick was great, and that's the only thing they have working for them. And um, the worst thing about all that is, the Saints pushed down the can long enough down the road. They're in cap hell. If there's anything good in New Orleans, it's that they have a fire basketball team. But I think for the New Orleans Saints, we're going to see a team that's going to be in purgatory for quite some time. So that, to me, is the number one team with a gloomy future in the NFL. I'm going to piss some people off with this one. But uh, I'm going to stick in the NFC. And for me, when you say no man's land, to me, what I what I think of instantly is a team that is kind of right in the middle. Like, they're kind of stuck as you would say, in purgatory, where they can be competitive. You know, they could win some games, but at the end of the day, you know what they are. And that's the New York football giants. For me... Step forward. I, huh? Step forward in that chair. I'm trying to help out my back, John, a little bit. Um, So for me personally, I just see... um. I don't have faith. Now, again, full disclosure, I do not watch college football. All I go off of is, you know, past knowledge of of what I know. I don't have faith in the names coming out of the draft this year um, in, in, in the quarterback position because they are going to have to move on from Daniel Jones. He is not a franchise guy. He is a good backup quarterback, but he's just not franchise material. You have to move on because when you have Daniel Jones as your quarterback, you know what you are at the end of the day. You can surround him with the talent on offense. It's just at the end of the day, he's going to show you what he is. A, a good backup quarterback. And that's fine. Like that's better than a lot of people, you know. It, a lot of people don't even make the NFL. A lot of people, you know, flame out a, a couple of years in the season. Dale Jones can make a career now, it probably wasn't what he expected the career to be picked eighth overall, but he can make a good career as a good backup quarterback. Look at um, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
Teddy Bridgewater now, Colt McCoy. These guys, Taylor Heineke, you can make a good living as a backup quarterback. And I think he is perfectly fit for that. That is not me diminishing him. That is me being real and telling you what I honestly think. So for me, and I just don't have faith in the quarterbacks coming out, especially they're going to have, I mean, they're not going to have the worst pick. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to get into that top 10 pick range for how good they played in the early season. So for me, I just see them in no man's land. They have a good defense. Saquon up in the air. Is he going to come back? Is he not? Are you going to pay him the big contract? That's a little iffy. You're paying a running back that much money, and he's been injured uh, for his rookie contract. You have to go get weapons, and like we have discussed at nauseum, there's not that many high-rated re- receivers on the free agency market. Can you make a trade? Yes, but now you're going to have to give up some draft capital. For me, it's just the New York Giants. I just, they're right there in the middle. They can be competitive. They can win games like they have this year. But at the end of the day, you know what they are. And that's not a playoff team. Yeah, I'm in full disagreement here. You can't look at the Giants last year. Hiring Joe Shane as their general manager and Brian Dable as their head coach and say to me, they're trending downward. And that they're trending in a purgatory. The Giants winning seven games through 14 weeks is unbelievable. You have no receiving talents. Saquon Barkley is the only player in this offense who is a capable NFL starter. And you're starting a rookie tackle at right side. The defense has been hampered by injuries. And the roster as a whole is in a year of development. Right? Joe Shane came in. And there were a handful of cap casualties. He had to cut James Bradbury, one of the best corners in the league. For this Giants team, you go from Dave Gellman and Joe Shane, and I believe wholeheartedly in this front office making better draft decisions, savvy cap moves, and having a better understanding of what wins games. So, as a Steeler fan, I appreciate high-level GMs. I think you can as well. The Giants currently have the 23rd pick in the NFL draft. I think they're going to finish year 8, which will put them around the 19th selection, right around that mix of wild card losers and teams that miss the playoffs. I think they around the 17th or 18th pick, not the 19th. The 19th pick is a team that makes the playoffs because there's now seven teams that make it opposed to six. You said, I don't believe in any of the quarterbacks coming into the draft. And I, I do agree with you, Brad. So there's Bryce Young of Alabama. He's undersized, but he has a cannon for an arm. He reminds me a little bit of a young Russell Wilson, because he can create plays out of structure. Then you have C.J. Stroud, who, good size, good arm. He has a lot of good skills, but there's no elite quality. And so I have a tough time pigeonholing him in as like a top-five pick. I think he'll be a good prospect. He's a really good college player, but I'm not sure in the NFL if he's worth the pedigree of a top-four or five pick. A lot of scouts are looking at Will Levis out of Kentucky, who has mm. tools, he has arm strength. Some compare him to Zach Wilson. You're already shaking your head. No, no, no. That's, that, I, I kind of compare him to the Daniel Jones. Will Levis. I mean, think about it like this, right? Both schools that those guys came out of are not known for football. They're known for basketball, as you well know, Duke and Kentucky. Um, And if you look at um that kid's stats, they're just – they don't compare, man. Like – so I understand they're they're going to fall in love with the size, right? He's got the size. You know, he looks like a prototypical NFL quarterback. 
But just to me, man, if you're inconsistent in college, you've got an even tougher road when you get to the NFL. Okay. So this is where you and I are in disagreement. Most quarterbacks develop at different rates. Mm -hmm. A Josh Allen at Wyoming had crappy stats. Mm -hmm. He went to a small school for football, at least. Jordan Love, he went to a Mountain West school. His stats weren't good at all. Mm -hmm. Trey Lance, mm -hmm. Zach Wilson, their stats are off the charts in that one year of college they played. Mm -hmm. and that's why I say you can't just look at a quarterback's production and say, oh, you know what? I believe in him or I don't believe in him. Because ultimately, it's how their game projects and the type of character they have to develop and take those necessary steps to grow in those areas of shortcomings so far. That's why I love Jalen Hurts, right? He came into college as a running back, but he had the mindset, the leadership qualities, and that pure will to outwork anybody in the room. And he already was a great runner. Now we're seeing Jalen Hurts, a pretty good NFL passer. The quarterback that I love for the Giants, Brandon, is a toolsy prospect out of Florida who... Has good production, but not the best efficiency. And his name is Anthony Richardson. He's projected to be a second round pick, maybe somewhere in the late first, kind of like a Lamar Jackson. Dude, he's six foot four, two thirty, and he can run at an elite level. He's got arm strength, he's got the ability to extend plays, make something out of nothing. Really in today's NFL, what Anthony Richardson will be is a playmaker. Now, Florida, the one drawback for a lot of people is the dude's a four-year starter, and he's not even completing 60% of his passes. So you look at the production in college, and you say, eh, 54% completion percentage. He has a lot of things to work on. Only 2,500 passing yards. It's also his first year as the full-time starter. Year three for him. I think in the NFL, he has all the makings to be a franchise quarterback, but it's all about the team maximizing his skill sets. Dude, we've already seen Brian Dable work with Tua, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. I think if the G-Men get Anthony Richardson, they're in an amazing position this offseason. You franchise tag Daniel Jones for 30-something-odd million, you keep him for a year, and you let Anthony Richardson sit a season in the ranks. He gets to learn, because he's not NFL-ready day one. And then in the meantime, you'd like to give Saquon Barkley a team-friendly deal, where it's not going to kill you if he has these injuries, but you're going to compensate him as a top five, top three, top one back in the league. Don't put too much guaranteed money on the table, Three or four years, you have to give that guy his bread. And then next year, you get Wandell Robinson back off his torn ACL midseason. In the first round, you can look to go with Jordan Addison or the receiver out of Iowa State who had a down season, Jackson Smith and the Bikita. And I think for this, this G-Men offense, all you really need, BC, is a high-level number one receiver. You get that young quarterback that can develop. It'll take two or three years. Now, I'm telling you, Brian Dable will develop him. It's all about finding the right character. So I don't really feel like the Giants are in purgatory, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, when you said that completion percentage, that my eyes lit up because I'm just like, if you're not completing passes in college where the window is kind of like this big, um, I mean, think about it in the NFL where the window gets shrunk into like this big. It's just, it's not going to look good. Um, probably, he'll probably be compared to a, a Cam Newton, Cam Newton-esque in terms of that size. I, I just, to me, I, I'm sorry, I just don't believe in the quarterbacks that I'm hearing about. Maybe it'll change when we start getting to um, 
you know, when they start talking about more of um, uh, the draft coming up and I'll start to hear more and see more things and maybe my opinion will change on some of these quarterbacks. But as of right now, my initial um, response to these quarterbacks coming out this year is just, I, I just don't have the faith in them. It, it's, 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 it is what it is. I, I have faith in Brian Dayball, but again, coaches can only do so much. I mean, you can lead a, a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink it. You know, Man, Josh Allen had a 56% completion percentage in college, Britain. Again, but I also believe, but to me, Josh Allen is overrated. We differ on that, but I think that he is. Is Josh Allen an elite quarterback, BC? No, I think he's got way too many deficiencies in his game. Because the definition of overrated is... What I mean, some people think that he is so highly rated. I mean, you guys talk about him as either he's the best player in the NFL or he's top three in the league. Uh, usually, that's really the consensus of the NFL world. For me, he's not even in my top five. You know, so I, I just, I, I just, for me, I just, there's too many setbacks with him. So we're in disagreement there. I won't react to it. I think for the G-men, they're in a good position long term. And oh, by the way, Matthew Stafford, he was number overall pick. He had a 57% completion percentage at Georgia, another SEC school. Anthony Richardson's only been a starter for one season. Will Levis, too. Stafford started all three years as a true freshman, a sophomore, and a senior. So, yeah, the completion percentage may be good. It's all dependent on the situation they're going to and the type of kid you're Yeah, and I just don't think the Giants have a very good uh, situation to walk into in terms of the team around them. Daniel Jones this year's been pretty good. Especially the offense. Well, when you compare him to what he's put out, I mean, it's not saying much. We'll see. With all that being said, I actually want to, I wish we had talked about this earlier in the show. I want to say rest in peace to a college football legend and Mike Leach. Uh, his passing earlier in the week. This, as someone that doesn't watch a lot of college football, I haven't seen too many of Mike Leach's, you know, awesome moments, and specifically his amazing press conferences, which took college football by storm, oftentimes. Um, but from what I know, great character, very well respected, and um, the football world's gonna miss him. And with all that being said, I know it's a tough note, um, but I want to thank you guys for sticking around, watching to the very end. I'm excited for this upcoming week of games. And as always, Justin will be back. I'll get to do the outro for you. But we'll see you next time. Peace. Stay classy.